0: Hello and welcome to Politics War Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. This week we are joined by author of Dark Mirror, writer for The Atlantic and senior fellow at Century Foundation, and a Princeton professor, Bart Gelman. Remember, we take your questions each episode, so write in the politicswarroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to at Politicon for next week's show. We'll get to as many as we can, and don't forget to tell us where you're from. And please check out the links to this week's sponsors, Magic Spoon and Blinkist, in the show notes. We thank you for supporting them. It really helps make this podcast happen. Please tell your friends about us and remind them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, James, uh, there's a big story this week about Biden and Putin to our virtual meeting as Russian troops threaten Ukraine. But I'll just send our listeners to one of our favorite guests, the New York Times, David Sanger, who's written the authoritative account. You can touch on that if you want. But to shift to, to back home, you are exuberant, rationally exuberant, about the economy. Who couldn't be? I, I, I mean,
1: they keep revising these job numbers up. It's like one of the biggest years of job creation we ever had. Four million people again in October. Uh, just like September quit their jobs the jo- eleven million job openings the stories everywhere about companies planning wage increases in twenty twenty two i it's not me i just i can't find any bad economic news out there but other than inflation, which the the ten year treasury is trading at under one point five percent, so the bond market doesn't seem to be that worried about it. But I, I, I don't know what evidence there is that anything is wrong with this economy at all. It's, this is as good Maybe it might have been the best economy we had since World War II was the 90s. This economy may be better than the 90s. It's just unbelievable. And at some point, I'm sorry it, it, if it continues. At, at some point, I'm hopeful that it'll kick in and people realize,
0: damn, it's a lot better off than I was in 2020. Well, I agree with you with two caveats. One is if the new COVID variant, uh, if it if it doesn't prove more lethal, then I think we're right. If it does, and we're not sure yet, there are, are some encouraging signs. But then I look at some states that are just seeing these tremendous surge uh, in COVID cases. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a problem, but that's at least a, a caveat. And James, I'm not... Quite as persuaded as you are that even if it's all true, it's going to significantly affect the 2022 dynamics. But, it should, right. But I don't know. I, I,
1: I didn't say it would. I said if it kicks in, I, but it, it's a simple fact. You're right. Sure. If you want to look at, well, maybe COVID's, you know, but there's some kind of variant that's going to take off. I, maybe so, and maybe no one will figure out that gee, I'm making more money and have job security than I had before, but. But the, the, the fact that this economy is booming is just that. It is a fact. Now, we can try to... Well, the other thing that is a fact is political science has pretty much told us that, that presidential job approval is very much dependent on economic growth. Well, if, if that's true, come this summer, Biden's job approval ought to be like 60%. But, but again... I'm not saying this is... I, yeah, I'm not saying definitively, percent, well, I understand that, right. for yeah. Christ's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that it is undoubtedly the truth that this economy is booming, and I'm saying that it is undoubtedly true that hi- historically a president's job approval has been tied to the performance of the economy. If that holds up, I... I I think, I think the Democrats have a, a, a shot to do well in 2022 as
0: long well as they shoot themselves in the feet. Well, they may. I've never seen a I, – I cannot recall ever a midterm election with an economy booming like this, at least not a first midterm election. Uh, not not in recent history, right. so we don't have you know, any... We had a pretty good economy in 94, and we got exhausted, because oh, we couldn't talk on, about James. it. it come good. on, James. James. It wasn't even close to As you know what I yeah, said yeah, earlier in the show, 5.5% unemployment rate It versus may be four.
1: it was getting a lot better, but it doesn't matter. I'm not i am really not arguing. I'm, I'm, I'm saying yeah. this could be the strongest. The 90s, until this, was the strongest economy it had since World War II. I don't, I don't know. You know I'll yeah. it, I will let economic people figure this out, but this one looks... To me, to be, now, the 90s recovery lasted a long time. Hopefully, this will last through 2024. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I'm not arguing. Understand, I'm not no. arguing with anybody. I'm just se- stating the fact. I mean, the economy was pretty good in 94. It took a while. I was there. And by '96, By 96, by 96 we, were able, <laughs> we were able to talk about it successfully. But it, 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 it. I don't know what, you know, it's very difficult in politics when the economy starts getting better. If you tell people it's better, they don't think it is. They think you're clueless. But at some point, this shit's got to kick in, at least
0: I hope. Well, this is uncharted waters, and maybe it'll be really good for Biden and Democrats. Uh, you know, I sure hope so. I'll tell you one thing about Biden. He made the right call, I believe, in the 2022 Winter Olympics in China. Uh, there are going to be two sides that aren't going to be pleased, the right-wing constant critics like Tom Cotton and some of the business interests. He's not going to send diplomats and dignitaries to uh, the Chinese Olympics, uh, but he's going to pre- not going to prohibit the athletes from participating. I think it's a middle ground, usually not the best option, but in this case it is. It sends a message, not going to change Chinese behavior, but it does send a message, and other countries already are following suit, but it doesn't penalize the athletes who worked hard for what will be the capstone of many of their careers. The 1980 boycott of the Moscow Olympics didn't change so I, I give uh, I give credit to Joe Biden in this one. He did he did it right. I, I don't
1: have any reason to disagree with. you. I don't don't, don't think anything's going to change anything, but it makes everybody
0: feel good. So yeah, well think, yeah yeah you know just to ignore it I think would have been a mistake. Right the, right, uh, right. Some of the outrages well, are so. No, bad.
1: They, 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 Enslaving and murder—not a many Uyghurs out there. No one seems to give a shit about them. But boy, one tennis star and woo, <laughs> Yeah, Katie bought a door. You know that—that—that's the world we live in, where fame brings attention. You know, if you are stuck out there in Western China, being hoarded and you know,
0: victim of a genocide, who gives a shit?
1: But boy, well, don't my only
0: reservation and. In- <clears throat> and this is that it may it may be welcomed by the International Olympic Committee, and I don't like anything that the International Olympic Committee likes, but uh, we'll we'll put up with that. I, I, so.
1: I, 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 I brand this guy unsuccessfully for president of IOC. They, 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 look, they work for all these Olympic federations, and they are all pretty rotten to start with. I don't expect right. much more from them. So either, when the pieces are, they, are rotten, international the soccer, is. soccer, is international soccer any better than the IOC? I don't know. No you know, FIFA. I don't no idea. No. I don't think so.
0: But no, the, the,
1: the auto racing international, Bernie Ecclestone or whatever his name. Well, is.
0: I don't know about the auto racing, but I know the soccer isn't, isn't any better. Anyway, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about Bob Dole, uh, who died at ninety eight. I, I knew Bob Dole for fifty years, and his is one extraordinary story. He came from that hard scrabble prairie town of Russell, James. I have been to Russell, Kansas, twice, and let me tell you, it is hard scrabble. He almost died from a World War II wounds in Italy, occurred actually a month before the, um, the war ended. He came home in a body cast. There were cigarette butts in that, in that body cast, and his mother cried, they used my boy as an ashtray. But with incredible resilience and courage, he fought back. I mean, this was just an incredible story. But, but let me tell you what is a remarkable political facet about Bob Dole. The first half of his career, he was a hatchet man, a Nixon apologist, uh, he won a tough re-election when he, when he really slimed his doctor opponent as an abortionist. And he talked about democratic wars. But the second half of his career, he really changed in the sense he became one of the most effective leaders in in, in modern Senate history. On taxes, where he was in the Senate Finance Committee, he was always a conservative. But he reached out with, to George Mitchell, Tom Daschle, Ted Kennedy food stamps, anti-hunger, and most significantly, the seminal 1990 Americans for Disabilities Act. That wound he received in the 10th Mountain Division in Italy left him without use of a right arm, and he remained a champion of disability rights well into his 90s. Uh, He could be a difficult, prickly man, but he was one of the American political giants of the last half century. I,
1: he certainly was, and I, I did, obviously didn't know him as well as he did. But it always seemed like a, a, a nice guy to me. And you're right; he had significant accomplishments in the United States Senate, and he, he should be remembered and remembered fondly. Yeah.
0: He he also had probably a sharper wit as we've ever seen in American politics, or at least one of the sharpest. And I can now tell. For the last time, I've told it 47 times. So I'll now tell it for the 48th time, and probably since Bob died this week. I won't tell it again. I may. But it was a gridiron speech he gave in the early 80s. And he noted that President Reagan had sent to the funeral of slain Egyptian President Anwar Sadat, he sent three former presidents, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, and Richard Nixon. And then Dole said, See no evil hear no evil and evil uh only only bob dole uh could could do that he was something and um, you know uh, rest in peace robert j dole so he had an
1: event the 1996 race it just goes to show you Republicans were, ca- were campaigning in california actually in 1996 it was in chico and he fell off the back of the stage and he got up he says at least you can just say i fell for chico
0: <laughs> Which I thought was a pretty, was a pretty good after cuff line. <laughs> I fell for you. You know, cup. you know. After he lost to Bill Clinton the next year, Clinton, uh, with great grace, gave him uh, a Medal of Freedom. Yeah. And at the and at the White House, Dole began his speech, saying, "I, Robert J. Dole, do solemnly swear." Uh oh, wrong speech. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: was. He would tell. Clinton would tell Mary during the '96 race what he should tell Doe how to beat him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was too concerned, but well, I, yeah. you know, he he wasn't a very good candidate, and uh, I'm yeah. frankly not sure he would have been a good president. I don't know. But he, he, had a, he had a legislative right. mindset. Right. He was a brilliant legislator, uh, but uh, boy, for a guy, you talk about Horatio Alger stories or whatever really? cliche we use. For a guy who came from you know where he came from. With that war wound, uh, I,
1: and I think it, his marriage turned out to be—I think it, he had a, a really good marriage to Mrs. Dole. You know, I think she took care yeah. of him. And uh, uh, the sent Senoff—he had, he had a hell of a life. He's ninety-eight years old. She'll be talking about me
0: dying at ninety-eight. <laughs> yeah, he did. I tell you something. When he was ninety-three, ninety-four, he went. You know, ex-senators have have floor privileges, and the Senate was taken up. Uh, a treaty to ratify the united nations uh disabilities treaty which would have been really good for america other countries would have to conform to america but it was defeated by right-wingers because you needed two-thirds and bob dole was on the senate floor lobbying people for that that's the kind of lobbying i love anyway bob dole uh we'll miss you uh you gave us a good life and you gave you were good you gave america uh an awful lot Hey, James, you know, there's still three weeks left in this year, but perhaps the most important story of 2021 is Bart Gelman's Atlantic piece entitled Trump's Next Coup Has Already Begun. I first met Bart 34 years ago. I knew he was good, a good journalist. He is a great one. Bart, welcome. Remarkable reporting on the Trump-inspired mob and the escalating efforts uh, for future election. Your piece is chilling. It really is chilling. I've read it twice now, and, and uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't feel any better after the second time. I'm still <laughs> petrified. Uh, but you wrote that the Trump-inspired plot to overthrow the next election and thousands of, or, or millions of votes uh, will be discarded, and it's quite serious.
2: Tell us. Well, you know, I mean, there are two main threads that go through the piece. One is That January 6th was not a uh, one-off, transient event that came out of the chaos of of, uh, January 6th itself, but a manifestation of a very substantial and passionate and conspiratorial minded, uh, violent political mass movement uh, that uh, works on behalf of Trump, that... There are tens of millions of Americans who believe both that Biden stole the White House and that violence is an appropriate and justified uh, remedy to put Trump back in power. That's dangerous. The other big threat is that uh, Trump's supporters are methodically going through all the reasons why he failed uh, to overthrow the last election. Uh, all the places where he ran into obstacles, and it is removing those obstacles and preparing the ground for him to do it again with more success next time.
0: And that predicate basically is to uh, overturn, if necessary, the will of the voters to send different electors. Uh, We know some lawyers who were deeply involved uh, with the Biden effort uh, post-November 3 who said the big mistake that, uh, that they made Uh, was that they went to the courts, uh, and uh, they should have gone to the state legislators
2: and put a fix in, and that's what they're doing now, right? That is what they're doing now. I mean, just look at the facts on the ground. You have uh, battleground presidential states uh, that went for Biden narrowly that are controlled in their state houses by Republicans. So you have a a Biden state uh, and a Republican state house, Republican state senate, the Constitution, Article 2, gives the original power to the state legislature uh, for appointing presidential electors. Uh, and so uh, Trump's whole strategy depends on convincing state lawmakers to fire their voters and to send substitute votes uh, for the other guy.
0: Can that be fixed? Uh, either. Can you change, I guess it was a 19th century election count act, or if the Senate approves this voting rights protection measure, uh, or is that deeply embedded in the Constitution? I mean, it just seems in 200 and some years it's never been tested.
2: No, it hasn't, because the, uh, although the founders thought it was a reasonable thing for state legislators just to appoint presidential electors and leave the voters out of it, uh, for more than 150 years now, every state has given that power to its voters. We're accustomed to the idea that we get a say as citizens, in who our president's going to be, we're accustomed to the idea of voting. Uh, but the Supreme Court found, ironically, in the Bush against Gore case uh, in 2000, that state legislatures can take back the power to appoint electors if they want to. The question is under what circumstances and with uh, and with what Constraints uh, And so what uh, Trump's people predictably are doing is they're pushing a doctrine in which the state legislators have uh, unlimited power uh, to take back the electors if they want to.
0: And, and you mentioned about disenfranchising voters. In addition to that, those laws that have been passed in places like Georgia are not nearly as so benign as the Tim Scotts would have, you believe. I mean, they allow... Uh, they allow Republican dominated boards to come in and really overrule say the Fulton County uh, election results uh, I mean that really is uh, they're they' they're, they're sparing nothing right now No, sparing nothing
2: is exactly right I mean you look at what happened in Georgia. you had a Secretary of State who's a Republican a lifelong Republican who did right. his duty faithfully and he's certified that after counting once twice and three times Joe Biden won the state in the presidential election. he certified that. Uh, Governor Kemp went ahead and signed the certification because what are you gonna do with arithmetic? I mean, Biden won. Uh, he was supposed to sign uh, Trump and his people uh, went after those two. Uh, Trump is trying to unseat both of them, having endorsed candidates who espoused the big lie to replace them. Meanwhile, just in case, the state legislature has censured the Secretary of State, uh has removed him as a voting member from the state election board, so we can't certify the next election. Right? Um, has created a new power for the state election board to overrule and fire uh, county election boards uh, in places like Fulton County, that is to say, urban and democratic places, uh, and and to uh, and and to simply. Uh, uh, make final decisions itself about which votes count and which ones don't count. James.
1: So, so uh, at, at the end of this week, I called Al. I said, My fucking phone is blowing up, which is an article by this guy, Bart Gelman, in the Atlantic about these crazy ass people. I said, Do you know this guy? He said, well, I know him. He said, actually, I offered him a job in 1988. I don't think he'll remember. I said, I promise you, he will remember. I remember a girl that rejected me for a date in 1965. (laughs) You're not going to forget someone that offered you a job. So I'm I'm glad you're on the show. So we're a nation, I don't know, 331,492,682 people, right? Give me the best guess of how many people living in the United States would are willing to engage or approve of violence to achieve a political end?
2: Well, there's pretty good data on right. that. Right, that's why I'm asking uh, you. The, 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 the data s- says the number is something around 21 million. So that's a minority. It's not a majority. It's, a, it's not even a, a very large minority, but it's 21 million people who think that violence is justified. Uh, and I think you see what happens if they're triggered by a political leader like Donald Trump and told, let's uh, everyone come to Washington on January 6th and act wild and stop the certification of the vote. Uh, if he calls upon them again, they will know what to do and they will show up.
1: Well, 21 million, I'm just going off the top of my head, but New York metropolitan area is I think the largest metropolitan area in the country, and but they're probably clocking in around 18 million. So when you take t- a sounds I right. yeah I don't know I mean I'm sure somebody'll fact check me but I don't give a shit but it it it's it, it, there are more of these crazy ass people and all people are living in the York metropolitan area. Which I mean that's a lot of people man.
2: It's a lot of people uh they mostly have guns. It, uh they 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 and they are passionately convinced they have been bamboozled right. into believing uh that that the last election was a fraud that Joe Biden was an illegitimate ruler. I mean, you know, we we go back a long ways in this country, and we know what to do with illegitimate rulers. I mean, if you believe that someone has stolen the White House, uh, that that, that justifies a whole lot of things.
1: So you talk about, you've developed a relationship back and forth with with this retired fireman in New York, who for most of his life, was just a guy like we know a guy he's a fireman He's very, very very good at what he did very patriotic and it's just gone based on your reporting i'm not asking you to characterize it but to me as a reader completely batshit right is is there anything that you know of that is going to change this guy's mind between now and the day he dies
2: you know i spent a lot of time with him uh exactly to explore that that question uh because uh, believe it or not, I've never, I've never tried having an extended, multi, multiple hours conversation uh, with one of these guys that you know over weeks and weeks of back and forth and back and forth uh, to see how the ideas would stack up, how how would you respond to evidence on the other side, uh, what really lies behind it, and and I couldn't find a thing that would budge him a hair. Uh, it was it was very dispiriting. Because, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, I live in New York. Ten years ago when he was active, you know, if my house was on fire, I would rely on him and his discernment and his understanding of facts and his mastery of expertise to come in and save my ass. Uh, And now he believes all kinds of crazy things. Uh, You know, and and I I trace them back. But how do you know this? Well, he says this general says so on Rumble, the right-wing video site. So I go track down the general and I talk to him, and he's got he's got no information at all. He's got no data, got no evidence. Uh, I show that to the firefighter, and he just doesn't believe me. Right. He, the volume of propaganda has overwhelmed him.
1: So, so you use the. the- tape at the University of Chicago, Al and I have interviewed uh, Kathleen Ballou, Professor. Kathleen. Kathleen Ballou. She's great. Several times. I think they're all sort of part of the same project. One of the things that she said is, is there's more females in this than you would normally think. Does that comport with what you have found in your your research?
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, And it's true. Uh, If you look at the typical profile of political violence in this country. Uh, You find largely young men in their 20s, early 30s, uh, much much higher unemployment uh, than is typical uh, on the low end for education and so on. The January 6 insurgents uh, were white-collar, middle-class, middle-aged, 42 right. years old on average. Uh, and uh, and there were lots of women among them. Many more women than is typical um, uh, in, in past uh, episodes of political violence. Now, I know she, Kathleen Bealew has, has uh, tracked this through the history of white supremacy. And she's got this fantastic new volume called Field Guide to White Supremacy, uh, uh, where you can find all you want on this. Uh, I respect her immensely.
1: So... In, when you're doing this, and what, what what they they come up with is is the FBI. A, 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 I mean, could, you know, the, the January sixth thing kind of shook me. There was some intelligence, and I'm not asking you to reveal anything confidential. But it seems to me that these people need to be
2: infiltrated in pronto, like yesterday. Do you? That's a really hard one because it's a really hard one for the FBI because uh, they've been so badly burned by the accusation that they're taking sides in a political argument Uh, and because so much of uh, what uh, the Trumpian right is doing is protected by the First Amendment.
1: But but, but wait a minute, we're talking Uh, about... But all right, I I, I know, that's the reaction. We're talking about fucking political violence. We're not talking about what a capital gains tax cut does or, or... you know, should, should we have a 15-week abortion limit, all right? We're talking about, like, using guns and shit, all right? I, I mean, if the FBI can't, the, the, the Justice Department of Justice was created to fight the Ku Klux Klan. We used to have attorney generals. Grant put it in there for that reason. And if, if these people are paralyzed with 21 million people, more people in metropolitan New York, and I, I'm not for going spy on the Iowa State Young Republicans Club, but it seems to me these people need to be monitored and and, and looked out after. They are
2: a menace to society. I mean, that's what I would say. Well, I think I I actually really wonder whether the FBI is well equipped for this. They, uh, what they know how to do, and I think what they are doing is investigating, infiltrating uh, organized groups like Proud Boys, uh, quasi-organized, uh, or the Oath Keepers, or the Three Percenter Militia, right. or the uh, hey. you know the American Nazi Party, or that sort of thing. Uh, they're used to the idea that the threat of political violence comes from lone wolves or very small disciplined cells of violent people. They're not used to the idea of a mass movement. Right that is uh is ready for violence uh but has uh where most of the people have not yet actually performed violence uh and it's a hard well, problem
1: they better get they better get on a stick because these people are, are, are numerous and dangerous and sometimes you got to learn new things i mean you used to you know track you know bootleg distillers now you got to track domestic terrorists Al. i Turn it over to you, and then I'll come. Back
0: well, I, I'm going to pick up on some of that because Kathleen uh, Ballou, who we all have such admiration for, says, "Look, you, you got to understand. You know, you're you you're not going to some log cabin in remote Idaho to look for these people. They have they have picnics. They play. They have a softball league. Uh, they are in, they're they're ingrained in a lot of what we would consider normal society. Uh, I mean, I I think in your piece, that's what you found about the group." Uh, on January the 6th, you mentioned their age. Most of them had jobs.
2: Um, that makes it even scarier, Bart. Yeah, I, I mean, take, take, uh, take this firefighter. I mean, I'm convinced that you would sit down and have a drink with him and you'd like him. Right. He's a well-meaning guy. Right, Richard Patterson, uh, right. He's, uh, he's completely convinced. Uh, but he was prepared to grant me the status of fellow truth seeker and walk through all this stuff with me. He just he just couldn't <laughs> he just couldn't move. Uh, and I, I I here's part of the problem is is where where are they getting their news from? I mean, he pointed me to videos in which police officers were pulling back the bicycle barricades. Uh, at the capitol on January 6th there's that one famous shot of that where they're overwhelmed in number and they can't man the barricades and so they just remove them uh, and, and and walk away uh, and so he says look they they invited the protesters to come in and peacefully protest he he hasn't even seen the videos in which the in which the mob is f- flailing away and wailing on police with baseball bats and fire extinguishers and hockey sticks and flag balls uh he, he he doesn't even know they exist yeah.
0: and he gets his information from people like uh a a retired three-star general general uh uh is it uh what's his name Mc, Mc, McInerney. McInerney, uh who, who who his own son says is kind of off the deep end
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a ticklish one. I mean, what do you do when your dad is out there, uh, blasting crazy ass conspiracy theories, uh, and, and you feel like he's lost a few steps? Uh, they don't know, they don't know how to shut him up. They don't want to insult him. Uh, but, yeah, even his own family is 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 worried about it and what he's saying.
0: and he's doing he's doing danger. And, and you know we talked about this group, and you referred to the replacement theory, uh, which was um, you know, um, uh, very uh, important in the uh, in the tragedies of the Balkans. Uh, and a number of right-wingers here have, uh, have, have talked about it, which namely, this, our, our white society is being threatened by all these people of color and immigrants, and it's not the America we knew. Is that a driving force for a lot of these people, do you think, Bart?
2: I think it is. You can't generalize about uh, uh, a whole political party, uh, but here's what we know. According to the Census Bureau, in around 2045, white people will no longer be an absolute majority of Americans. Uh, people of color are increasing in number and it, we're becoming a more diverse and disparate society. And our challenge is to become a diverse multicultural democracy and, and, and hang on to our founding values with that. Uh, the Great Replacement Theory looks with fear and loathing at the growth of minorities uh, and says, uh, we're, 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 I mean, they're being told to be frightened of it. That's what Tucker Carlson's telling them on Fox News and literally using great replacement as. And, and, and by the way, this is usually part of a broader conspiracy theory in which uh, some, some uh, small elite, whether it's the deep state or often Jews, uh, are pulling the strings so that uh, compliant minorities will come in and act against the uh, interests of uh, good white Christian Europeans. Uh, If if you look at... uh, Beeloo's colleague at University of Chicago, Robert Pape, uh, has mapped the home counties of all of the roughly now 700 insurgents who've been charged with crimes on January 6th. Where do they come from? what is distinctive and interesting about those counties they do not come from strong majority trump counties Uh, in fact the higher the majority for trump the lower the probability that there's an insurgent that comes from there they don't come from places where uh where white people are losing jobs or losing income the one interesting correlation he finds is that if the fraction of the population uh uh if if white people are declining in population in that county then that county is much, much more likely to send an insurgent yeah. to the Capitol on January sixth. So, th- these people are hearing about replacement. Uh, and the ones who came uh, to protest on January sixth are the ones who were seeing it happen in, in front of their uh, eyes in their own hometowns.
0: That's that's really that's really interesting data. Right. One final question before I turn it back to James. Uh, you you know a lot more about what happened. The, the reporting was just extraordinary. Uh, what are your expectations or hopes that the January 6th commission will reveal and will it make any difference?
2: Well, what happened on January 6th was the culmination and part of a coherent plan to overthrow the election. Uh, The job of the protesters on January 6th, the job of the insurgents was to buy time, to stop the official electoral count by Congress so that Trump had more time uh, to bend the arms of legislators around the country uh, and to get them to send alternate electors uh, and uh, and and throw away the preferences of the voters uh, I would like it if the January 6th committee can find uh, the evidence of who organized it and for what and what they were talking about and who was talking to whom but I, I think it's got a much broader mission which is a more important mission which is uh, there was a a wide and deep conspiracy to overthrow an election. Uh, That has got to be ultimately filled with crimes. There have got to be crimes in this. If you try to take our democracy uh, and tear it up and substitute one president for the one who was actually elected. And uh, so I would like to see a much broader brief from the January 6th committee to look at the attempts to uh, intimidate Uh, local officials uh, uh, against certification, the attempts to um, contrive fake evidence, uh, the attempts to convince legislators uh, to reverse the verdicts of their own voters. Uh, So I hope it goes well beyond the actual violence of January 6 itself and into the whole. Conspiracy to undermine the election James.
1: Uh, all right. So it's gonna be a little bit of a winding thing But I, I, I hope there's a point here and I really want you to address it but I, I taught it Tulane, then I taught at LH, and one of the things I always had was a cultural project I told the students, you just can't come down here You have to go somewhere and get out of your comfort zone go on a shrimp boat for a weekend a black church you know, live, live under a bridge with homeless people So two of my students and they were like from New Jersey or Connecticut or something actually spent the weekend in the Atchafalaya Basin with the militia, all right? <laughs> and so I said, what did you see? He said, you know, actually, they were kind of nice people. They had their kids out there. They were having softball games, and they all had potluck dinners, and they were sitting around telling stories. And I, I was sort of reminded of a, a Holocaust scholar. I think her name was Hannah Ert, who called the banality of evil, That We think these people are coming in the book of revelations and they're going to have a fish for a head and one eyeball and horns and shit. And they're just like, we run into them every day. There are 21 million of them. They look like us. They act Mm -hmm. like us. They're they're totally, unless you start a conversation with them or go to a Facebook post or maybe a bumper sticker, they're... On surface, they viewed themselves as good, decent, God-fearing, family-loving Americans. I,
2: I think that's exactly right. And uh this is actually another point that Kathleen Bealy makes all the time, uh uh that they are uh, that on the white supremacist side, which is just one subset of this group you're talking about, uh they are looking for family events in fact i mean you know demography is everything to them so they're looking for women to bear more children if they're the right kind of women uh but uh but yeah i mean they 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 try to uh, bury their message in family friendly uh, and community friendly activities uh and uh and and they know that people can't take uh the violent rhetoric in more than very small doses. And so they, they acculturate people slowly to the idea.
1: So we have, we have these 21 million people and according to you, and it certainly comports with everything that I've seen. I know some of these people. They're, they're trying to deprogram. It's like trying to deprogram a pedophile. They just can't help it. They're just so deep into it. They're not coming out of it at I think you drew that conclusion and I, I unfortunately agree with the conclusion. How does this end? How how do we you know, twenty-one million out of three hundred and thirty-one million is a lot of people. In I mean the actual table is good, some of them, but some of them, you know, all of the average age is forty-one point eight. There's a lot of people under forty-one point eight.
2: There's a lot of people under forty-one point eight. Look, there there's 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 always been people who were dissatisfied with election results. There were always people who would have mumbled and muttered to themselves that it was fixed. Right. Social media has allowed them to come together. Uh, But most crucially, uh, the blessing of of their delusions by leadership of their own party, by Trump first and foremost, but by all these other Republican politicians who know better. Uh, Because if you gave them truth serum, they know that Biden won the election, Uh, but they're either prepared to uh, uh, opportunistically to whip up uh, uh, a sort of naive belief in falsehoods by their supporters, or they're afraid of those uh, those people in the base. I I think a lot of Republican politicians are just terrified of what the base would do to them if they departed from uh, uh, the the official Trump storyline. Uh, and so, if you have elites, politicians, leaders blessing, ble- blessing the 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 propaganda, blessing the uh, the fiction, uh, then the people who've always been out there are going to be more mobilized and more ready to mobilize. And I think uh, the only acceptable future is one in which uh, the Republican Party eventually evolves to a place where it's ready to reject this fiction, this nonsense, uh, because as long as you have leaders pushing it, uh, there are going to be plenty of followers who are right, right there yeah, with
1: it. Well, i turn it back over to Albert, the extent the Republican Party is a reflection of the people who identify with it, they seem, a lot of them seem to be quite happy with its current direction. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that, but that, that's, you know, that's right now, Albert, go ahead.
0: No, there's a lot of, I, I think you're absolutely right, Bart, they're they're scared to death. Uh, and I just looked around at various states, elections for next year, Michigan and Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, uh, and they're, Ohio, they're vying with each other to see who can out-Trump the other, who can out uh, outlie the lie. Uh, I mean, there are very, very few people. I mean, Liz Cheney and a handful of others that are standing up, but they are not very many Um Bart Gelman, you know, there's a there's a
2: terrific piece in the Atlantic in this same issue with me by Tim Alberta. It sure is, yeah. It's it's a it's a great piece. I recommend in terms of taking a look at what the pressures are on a well-intended, newly elected Republican member of Congress who doesn't believe in the Trump nonsense and is trying to navigate his way through Republican politics. Uh, and and it's a it's a subtle Look inside the head of this guy, which everyone should read.
0: Yeah, they they, they sure should, and it's really—I mean—you can just see how torn the poor guy is. He did the right thing. He is a mainstream—you know—he's from Jerry Ford's area of Michigan, uh, but 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 he really is a—you know—he's a deeply torn and uh, I think unhappy man. Uh, and Tim really captured that, I thought, uh, Bart. Yeah. So so Bart, what one of the
1: things I want to ask you is—you probably know more. You, you, it's reported, and I and I believe it, and most people don't. I, you wrote the best single book ever on, on, on Dick Cheney, so you obviously know the Cheney's well. My wife worked for him for any number of times. I spent Christmases out in Jackson Hole when she was staffing him. How do you do? You have an explanation for Liz Cheney? Just somebody, an you know, observer who's spent time knows this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I mean, she certainly has been like a pillar in all of this, and could, can you offer us some possible insight into how this came to be?
2: I, I, think, I think Liz Cheney uh, is, is like her father in the sense that they are both true believers uh, in their conservative philosophy. I, I mean, that even when Dick Cheney was lying, he was lying with a purpose uh, in a way that he regarded as principled. Uh, and he thought he was working for us. He wasn't He wasn't sort of venal and corrupt in the sense that he was trying to uh, 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 privilege some private interest. Uh, he thought he was working for us, even if he was doing things that were just horribly mistaken. So Liz Cheney really believes what she says, and she is a small-D Democrat. Uh, and uh, she believes in this country, and she believes that you know you need a fair referee on an election uh, and that the count is the count and the winner is the winner uh, and 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 Trump is entirely unprincipled uh, and transgressive uh, in outrageous ways against many of the core beliefs she has she's always I think loathed him and when he attacked the actual institutions that make up our democracy. Uh, she just had to get off the bus.
1: Well, it's it's a pretty remarkable uh-huh. story because she's pretty out there alone, and I, it, it 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 I can understand where she's coming from. I just can't understand how these tens of millions of people just acquiesce in this. It it, it, it it's depressing. I'll be honest with you.
0: Well, it is. Um, Bart Gelman, you have been a terrific guest, and anyone out there who has not read. His Atlantic piece, Trump's Next Coup, has already begun. Uh, you ought to read it. You're going to be, as someone said, scared shitless after you read Gee. it. Uh, but you ought to read it because it's one terrific piece of reporting and chilling in uh, its analysis. Bart, be well and thank, thank you so man. much. For I, joining I don't us. know
1: anybody that had read your piece, but I assume there's some out there. But thank you. That, it, was, it was a very valuable <laughs> service to the country. That's we'll get them. Depressing. We'll find
2: them. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Bart. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Terrific.
0: Hey, we're all trying to eat better after Thanksgiving, but healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. And Magic Spoon, our favorite Magic Spoon, has the amazing flavors you love, but without all the bad stuff. And it's so good, you can eat it all day, any day. That's why we love Magic Spoon. 0 grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, only 4 net grams of carbs in each serving. And it's only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Hey, man, James, you can't get much better than that. You can even build your own box and customize it to make your own custom bundle with Magic Spoon's delicious cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, or cinnamon flavor. That's not all. I love to get in an argument with my four-year-old grandchild about what's better, blueberry or peanut butter. I got some great news for the whole audience, which is Magic Spoon has brought back two super popular flavors, cookies and cream and maple waffle, permanently. So make sure you try them. They're delicious, they're indulgent, and they're healthy, James Carville. Well, the thing that I like about Magic Spoon is I just don't...
1: Considered it a breakfast food, I I think it's an all day. It it, it you know people like it, they they try to give you these healthy snacks that they, they just tastes awful. All right, it's just awful. I'm not going to call any out, anybody by name, but these bars that sell you, they're inedible. All right, this stuff actually tastes good. It tastes good all day long. And, and by the way, if you you got the munchies right before you go to bed, you know maybe you took a toke or something. You can crunch down some Magic Spoon; it'd be really good, more easy on your stomach when you wake up. I'm, I'm all for Magic Spoon, and it's a 24-hour-a-day product. I promise you.
0: It sure is. Go to Magic Spoon.com/WarRoom to grab a custom bundle of cereal. Try today, and be sure to use our promo code WarRoom at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident. In their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, get your delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash war room and use the code Warroom to save $5 off. Thanks, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Hey, James, once again, we have just so many good listener questions. The only problem is we can't get to them all, but we'll make a start. Let's start off from down under. Alan in Australia. Why do you want to ask you, why don't Democrats get more aggressive? It seems like a foregone conclusion. The GOP is going to win the midterms, but the Republican division seems ready to explode. The Trump standard seems to be bullying for control. Is this potentially an election killer for them? Division is a kiss of death in Australia. Well... I agree, and so I'm so glad Australia got back
1: in the mix because I, I, I love, love, love when, when we hear from people. And, and he's exactly right. Quit going back and forth with Lauren Boba. Just ask her how she met her husband. Ask her to release a rap sheet because you can get it online. But Democrats are always complaining
0: and explaining. Quit that. Go for it. Okay, and hey, James, our next question is from Colin in a city we both like, Mobile, Alabama. He's a Democrat in a slightly Democratic city in a slightly Republican county, Mobile, in a heavily Republican district, Alabama first. He said, I look around and I see Democratic gains in Georgia. Am I correct to think that these gains are coming to Mississippi and South Carolina? I believe that is, this is his view. As Democratic power slips in the upper Midwest, it's increasing in the South and Sunbelt. I see superstars like Birmingham's Randall Woodfin, and I have a lot of hope for the party. Colin, uh, Georgia, North Carolina, maybe South Carolina. It's going to take a while. Uh, I'm not sure about Mississippi and Alabama. I think that's going to be a long. I, I think it's going to be a long haul. But James, you know, well, I, I, about. I'm
1: a son of the the Gulf South, and if you want to get in a fight, get a New Orleans person and a Mobile person and argue which one has the oldest Mardi Gras. All right. <laughs> And I I think that the fact is that Mobile celebrated Mardi Gras before we did, but I think that we have have the record for continuously operating Mardi Gras. But uh, to your question, I I think the Atlantic South is – way further ahead of turning Democratic than the gold south. By Atlantic South, I I, I mean Virginia set back, but we're still in pretty good shape. North Carolina, which we were very, very, very competitive. Same is true in Georgia. I think less do gonna take a little more time, obviously in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Tennessee, Arkansas, places like that. But I think that I think there is some promising trends in, in, in the Atlantic South, less promising than so in the Gulf South. Yeah.
0: James, the next question is from John uh, he says, in the Sea Ranch, California I think we've heard from the Sea Ranch before I don't know if it was just I, I think that's
1: right I think that's in San Diego County.
0: Yeah yeah, yeah I, I do too. He says what on earth is going on with Vice President Harris? Staff walking out, occasional headlines of disarray. I'm too absorbed in other stuff and haven't read much about her but she doesn't seem to be the right person to inherit the Democratic nomination when Biden doesn't run either twenty-four or twenty-eight. Those in the know, what's happening? What is happening? Boy, well, I, 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 I don't know. Uh,
1: but they, 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 they do seem to get an inordinate amount of, of bad stories, and maybe that the White House doesn't want them to push back or care or anything. That there, there's something, it, it seems to me, from a distance that that's off kilter here. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's amazing how the White House doesn't do any more than necessary to kind of buck her up. And she doesn't do any more than necessary to buck herself up. And I, I don't know. It, it, but it is, it, 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 he's correct to make this observation. I don't know what to make of it, but it's clearly a legitimate observation.
0: Yeah, and a lot of Democrats, James, are worried about it, whatever the reality. there's. A, there's well, I a think it,
1: what, is, what, what is the case is that if President Biden doesn't run for election in 2024, she's not going to clear the Democratic field. I mean, she may run, but I'll tell you she couldn't win, but there's mm-hmm. no one going to sit in there and say, well, I'm a, I'm not going to do it because Vice President mm-hmm. Harris is in the race and she's she's a that, that That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. There'll be a lot of people running.
0: Hey, this is our Australia Day, James. Rusty, he's in Western Australia. I wish Rusty would have told us where, but but we'll 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 take we'll a few more than that. Some kangaroo country out there. We'll take we'll take any any Aussie. He said he said I'm afraid if Putin attacks Ukraine, China will take advantage of us being distracted and attack Taiwan. The U.S. won't be able to do anything about it. During the Cold War, the US plan on being able to deal with two wars simultaneously. Can we can they handle today a land war in Europe and a sea war in the Pacific, shades of World War II? No, we can't, but um, I don't think China will base any decision on what it does with Taiwan, and I'm still rather hopeful that they won't, I think they'll create trouble with Taiwan, but for a whole lot of reasons, I suspect any kind of attack, certainly any kind of cross-channel attack, is highly unlikely. And I don't think it'll be affected by what happens with Putin and Ukraine. I don't know what Putin is going to do. He is a, uh, he's a thug. Uh, He's an untrustworthy man. Uh, He knows that we're not going to send troops there. NATO's not going to send troops there. Uh, There will be sanctions that could be really painful. Uh, It may affect the the, uh, sending gas to, uh, much needed gas to Europe. But uh, I'm—I guess I'm a little bit more worried about, it. even though China is much more important over the long run. I'm more worried now about what Putin might do in the short run. James,
1: well, I've I worked in the Ukraine earlier in this century, but not. And you, you got to realize—we it, it, think of a country, the eastern part of the Ukraine is very pro-Russian. It's a party of regions, right? The Blues—they call them. Mm-hmm. The the western part of the ukraine views itself more like poland or czechoslovakia they they kind of want to be part of the eu and i i wonder if before this ends that russia it it, it, you know everybody wants the ukraine to be one country and it was a country and it's it's completely legitimate and it's recognized by the un uh and i don't think we're gonna go to war over it but it it might be that the russians just occupy the eastern part of the country and you live with that but i don't know Uh, you know i i but i i know they're not going to start a war over the ukraine this far away it's a a vexing problem to say the least and i don't know i'm not a china expert but i kind of agree with you china has its own way of dealing with taiwan but boy, they showed into to Hong Kong, they'd be pretty ruthless and not be trusted. There's not m- much encouragement to take from the Hong Kong lesson.
0: No, there's not. Um, next, we have Chuck in Lake Lure, North Carolina, and a similar question from Ed in Fairfax, Virginia. James, what are your thoughts on the apparent lack of action by the Department of Justice in prosecuting the Trump team and associates for January 6th? So... Point, that this guy asks the money question. Because
1: why isn't the justice of all why isn't Merrick Garland sent fifty FBI agents to this smash and grab stuff? And I you know, everybody says he's a great guy, he's a learned guy, he got mistreated, he's a person of high principle, he's a person of high moral integrity. My question is, is he a pussy? And I don't know the answer to that. Is not yes. I, I I I mean we have this all of this lawlessness right in front of us. We got the whole Mueller report. We got our friend Andrew Weissman. You got all of this stuff. It it looks like he's shuffling paper to me. Now maybe he has a long range plan. A lot of people that I know, clearly a lot of people you know know him respect him but dude you gotta show us something here you can't it, it, there's no the institutional integrity of the justice department depends on one thing the enforcement of the laws of the united states and whenever we are wondering well what's the effect if we enforce the laws i don't know enforce the goddamn law they're criminals it's that simple and but baby, like I said, he might have a, a long-range plan, so I, I, I believe that that
0: escape door opened for me. But I am not impressed. Well, I hope so. I hope it's like we, our discussion earlier about the January sixth committee that you have to build cases carefully. Yeah, uh, it, could, I, it, it could I, be. I, hope, I, I don't know that, James. I'm just I don't either. Saying that's my hope because I'm I'm, it, it, I'm as frustrated as you are. But why are we not aggressively going after these smash and grab people? Uh, yeah, and I'm sure but, we got to, or even or even condemn them. Say anything about it. Talk right. about it. Um, I mean, don't don't cede law and order to the Republican Party. That's that's insane. Some of the stuff we're asking for some of these criminals seems to be awfully lenient to me, but. My next question is from R.M. in Big Elk Meadows, Colorado. Not sure I know where Big Elk Meadows, Colorado is, but it sounds like a place I'd like to go. Yeah, uh, and R.M. Uh, RM's okay, but tell us, tell us your name next time. Um, he said he's baffled by how many Republican Party uh, members have become crack addicts. They're still maneuvering the politics of this nation. And he finds it astonishing. He wants to jump ship, but he's worried about the Democratic Party being in total disarray. And he really wants to know, what's the strategy? When can we bring some common sense to this? And what I love... He adds, by the way, I love Craig Simmons' chat about the history of Pearl Harbor last week, and he's a big Magic Spoon fan. So RM, we thank you for that. Let me tell you, I don't think we're gonna get any common sense, if we will, until the Republican Party suffers a huge electoral defeat. And I don't, I think, as we mentioned earlier, they they live in fear. And uh, if uh, the, the only thing, it's clear now, that Trump didn't go away, it's clear now that they couldn't say, all right, now we can turn to the future, a conservative future to be sure. The only thing that will offer any hope, any promise of change, I'm not sure it will, will be a huge electoral defeat. So this listener,
1: I guess, the subscriber, he hits on exactly the question that I've been thinking about, and it, and it goes to a large part of your profession of, of, of Used to be professional. There's a very good piece by Dana Milbank. It says that that the press has been actually harder on Biden than Trump. Yeah. Okay, and he uses some data to make his point. He he may or may not be right, but it's pretty close. I mean, they, they've been just brutal on Biden. And brutal with a bias for Biden. The other thing that I would Listener is, is is true about it. It's going to take me a little bit to answer this, but it's very important. To me. The only hope that you have is the Democratic Party, and I got to tell you, I've been a member of it all my life. And yes, it's convoluted, it's fucked up, it has different factions, it it, it cobbles stuff together, it's a coalition, but it's all you got. That's it. And so does an ethical journalist, does an ethical commentator say? Well, I'm going to have a balanced approach. I'm going to I'm going to give as much time and as much effort to the destruction of the United States as I'm going to give to the salvation. Kurt clearly, no journalist of World War II would have said, but I got to got to tell the Japanese side of the story. Or I got to tell the German side of the story. There are not two sides to the story. One side is, is utterly evil, and the other side is just fucked up. And that's the choice you got. And th- th- this rush to to prove your, your your I don't know, your virulence or your manhood, to say I can be just as tough on Biden as I can be on Trump. Well, the result of that, and maybe it's true, but we're a, if we lose this, we reference our conversation with Bart, reference anything you see. If we lose this, we lose the whole shit and caboodle. And maybe it's time... For, you know, these right-wingers talk about patriotism. Maybe it's time for people to talk about patriotism, and we've got to tell people exactly what's going on in this country. And it's not, well, the number number's good, but the inflation number's not very good. na 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 You didn't do very well in Virginia. na 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 And Politico writes the 50th story about dysfunctional Democrats. All right? At some point, somebody's got to say, hey, wait a minute here, dude. we this is we're not living in 1995
0: again. I'll give you a classic example of that, James. I started off, I, I subscribed to Punchbowl. I thought it'd be interesting. They have good reporters. I, I get so goddamn sick and tired of exactly what you're talking about. I mean, Mitch mitch McConnell has been as irresponsible as you can be on the debt ceiling. I'm not talking about January 6th or so the big lie. The, the debt ceiling. Democrats helped extend it three times during the Trump years. Uh, you, you can't you know you can't you can't default, uh, and he has just played games. It's going to come to a conclusion now. But you know, for weeks I've been reading well on the one hand and on the other hand, it's not right. Just, it's not. It, 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 there was a time where there was on the one hand and the other hand. Well, there still is. I mean, look, if you want to have an argument about taxes, you and I would have a view, and we would. Be, I, yeah, yeah, well, yeah.
1: I think yeah. our view. One of the things that's happened over a period of time, we have learned that some things are just absolutely true. We did not know for sure that these childhood nutrition programs a Head Start. We thought it would. It sounded like a good idea, All right? We did it. it. We now know it works, All right? We now know, people thought, maybe people like you and I didn't, that cutting taxes on rich people would have the effect of just making rich people richer and do nothing for the economy. Other people who we knew, some extent like interesting people said no if you cut taxes on rich people you a thousand you'll flourish a thousand it turned out we were right all right then we have a whole body of experience well. in research a, a, a lot of the questions that that were ideological questions in the 80s and to some extent even the 90s have kind of been resolved all right but but that that e- even at that point you say well, you know, you just not resolved. How much regulation is right, or how much you need it. But we got one side that's debating questions, and other side that's batshit twenty one million people. Yeah, are, and, and a lot more silently are, are, are for violence. And these people get back in power. And there's going to be no accountability.
0: Well, None. I agree, but I but I do draw a distinction, even though I have almost identical views of you of you. Well, on most of this stuff. I draw a distinction between, you know, taxes, social security, whatever have you, on the one right. hand, and the big lie, and January 6th, and even, you know, the debt ceiling on the other. I mean, some things, you right. know, I may think one thing is 95.5. Those aren't 95.5. Right. That's that's just 100, you know, it's and uh, but that's where they are. Right. One is like,
1: just kind of greedy and selfish to others, evil and criminal. It's right. the difference between, right. uh, but 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 it is, and we're, we're not even. I, I'd give anything to go back and argue, uh, you know, what tax cuts to the rich do. I think I could win that argument in my sleep. But it, at least it, they never. Arthur Laffer didn't try to kill anybody with his back of his envelope. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, It's mean, like. <laughs> Jude Wronski, never you know. If I see him in the airport, I, I wasn't scared he was going to overrun me, you know. Or even Novak. But I mean, these people are like this is a different breed of
0: people we're talking about. Oh man, Lauren, Lauren Bobert, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Matt Gatz. Anyway, RN, we love your uh, question. It got us going. So keep them up. Keep those questions coming. We love to hear from uh, our listeners. We love our listeners. Thank you. Hey, winter is here, and there's no better time to find a comfortable spot to catch up on the classics or get through the books you've always wanted. And if you're like us, you love adding new content and information to your mental library. That's why we recommend Blinkist. Blinkist takes top nonfiction books and gives you the key takeaways in text and audio explainers called Blinks that you can digest in just 15 minutes. You can use Blinks to tackle procrastination, Get started on developing an idea or business. Take your projects to the next level or dive into history with titles like *The Prince* by Machiavelli and *Letters from a Stoic* by Seneca. They blink thousands of titles in twenty-seven categories. And if you like podcasts, and we know you all do, they blink those too with Shortcast. And it's all in one app, right in your pocket, so you can learn anytime, anywhere with Blinkist. James, you're a Blinkist guy. i have totally. What are Output is prodigious. Is that the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It's a good one, yeah. It,
1: yeah, it is. I mean, every time I turn around, they got something new coming up. Every time I open my email, I, and I don't know how, I, 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 honestly, one day, I'd love to get one of these, I, I say guys, I have no idea what gender they are, on the show to explain how they, how they do this. And it's amazing stuff. I, I'd, I'd like to see how this sausage is made. Yeah. But it's, it's, that, it's that stunning when you you, you read it. And it's not just the, 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 how good it is. It's how wide and voluminous it is and how they just keep adding to it. A, I think it's a fascinating company. I don't know if you can buy
0: a stock in it or anything. We should look into that. Well, we should. But you, and you made that point before about them coming on sometime. So right now they have a special offer just for our audience out there. Go to Blinkist.com slash warrum to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist Premium Membership. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash war to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash or look for the link in our show notes for this, as James would say, prodigious product. All right, James, now we have our outrage of the week. You know, we may have to set a new rule that precludes Trump-related outrages because it's rip and read every week, but here goes. Devin Nunes, the ethically challenged California congressman, he disgraced the Intelligence Committee, and he wants sued a to Cal. Anyway, he's quitting Congress. Some of it had to do with redistricting, but he's quitting to run the Trump social media gig. Now, if Republicans take control of the House, which they may, I fear, Nunez would have been chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee with its vast jurisdiction, taxes, health care, trade, welfare, pensions. It's one of the four or five most prized jobs in Congress. But it says a lot about Republican priorities these days that Nunez prefers the Trump scam even before it launches. There is an SEC investigation to being an important legislator. Trump and Devin Nunes, you deserve each other. Well, my outrage is
1: the, the inept democratic strategy against Congressman Lauren Boebert. because say, well, you, you should censor her. You should do Kevin McCarthy. No, what you should do, in, what, what anyone would do, have you ever Googled Lauren Bobit rap sheet? You should sometimes. Have you ever investigated on your computer in your own time how Lauren Bobit met her husband? You really should sometimes. I have the equivalent of a PhD in white trashology, and I, I could write a dissertation about Lauren Bobbitt. According to my research, and I, I, I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, Congressperson Bobbitt, I, 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 would, I would correct myself, but I think your husband introduced himself to you by showing you his penis. And I think there is a police report when you're sitting in a bowling alley. But that's one of the great come-on lines I've, I've ever seen in my life. And I guess they lived ha- ha- happily ever after, as we'd say. Quit doing that and go tell the truth about these people. This, that, that, that caucus is full of what we would refer to where I live as white trash. They ought to be called out for it.
0: Well, they're losing one with Devin Nunes, but Lauren Boebert's still around. I couldn't agree more. Man, I
1: mean, just just, just do, do your own research. But I've done, I've done my own research. And it does seem that there's a, an arrest report there. And uh, I don't know why we were sitting there whining about her and complaining and demanding someone censor. Just put out when, when Jason met Lauren. Maybe we'll make a Hollywood movie about it hi Lauren. you want to see my dick
0: oh okay good let's get married <laughs> when jay when jason met lauren you've heard you're right here
2: <laughs> get a by good the way, screen right now
0: by the way next week we are going to have our final 2021 ivy league sphincter hall of fame inductees and i gotta so, say al hunt's come up with some winners i don't want to tease this too right we do but any if anybody has any ideas, they have to be Ivy League, they have to be genuine sphincters, uh, and uh, they have to be current. I guess so, Jason and Lauren didn't go to an Ivy League school. Well, I, I, would, I would suspect they didn't. If they did, they would be, you know, they'd, they, I think they'd be the first couple that we ever inducted. <laughs> we could have a ceremony. Anyway, next week. Hey, thanks for listening to Politics War Room with James Carville, and I'm Al Hunt. And don't forget to send your questions for us by email to politicswarroom at gmail.com or tweet them for next week's show at Politicon. Following this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you'd check out the links to our sponsors, Magic Spoon and Blinkist in the show notes. We thank you for supporting them. When you do, it helps make this podcast happen. To keep up with us, subscribe to Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another show as we continue our war room planning. Hi, Lord. You want to see my dick? Oh, okay, good. Let's get married.